Welcome back to Pursuing Justice. I am Harriet Hendel. We've been devoting a series of programs or podcasts to one very disturbing case of wrongful conviction. The case of an uncle and his nephew charged with a murder which took place in 1976. The two men, Clifford Williams Jr. and Hubert Nathan Myers, were charged and sentenced to life in prison. Williams was sentenced to death. The jury had recommended a life sentence, but the judge overruled the jury. Four years later, the Florida Supreme Court reduced that sentence to life with the possibility of parole after 25 years. There were appeals over time, but all were denied. Then in 2017, Mr. Myers read about the formation of a new conviction integrity unit in Jacksonville. He wrote to state attorney Melissa Nelson, making several key points about his case. One thing he mentioned, among others, was that Nathaniel Lawson had confessed to the crime before he died in 1994. A reinvestigation began. The lone witness to the crime had also died in 2001. Today, Nathan Myers is a free man after 43 years behind bars, and I have the great pleasure of introducing him as my guest. Welcome to you, Nathan. Thank you for being willing to join us. Thank you, ma'am. Glad to be here. You're welcome. It has been a long and difficult road for you and for your uncle. You were released in March of 2019. Tell us what life is like for you now. What are your greatest challenges? Well, my greatest challenges right now, really, I'm still trying to adjust to society. You know, it's been uh, six months now, and I'm still adjusting. I'm going to different places, trying to learn different uh, spots in Orlando, Florida, where I live right now. I don't live in Jacksonville anymore. I see. I'm with my wife there. And... I'm searching for a job with the with the youth defender so that I can try to help them out to show them that doing crime is not good and how how easy to get caught up in the system the same way that I did. You know, oh, that's, and try to you know, teach them their education the best way to go. That's wonderful. That's great. Uh, where where do you work with these young people? Do you go to their school? You know, right now, you know, I, I meet them through the church. I go to church. Every oh. time. We have we have quite a few young kids there. And my my social worker is trying to help me with this, to get with the JDJ, the juvenile system, try to help me get a job, put an application in down there in Orlando. That's wonderful. So I'm trying to get a job there. Very, very good. That's my focus is to try to help the youth, you know, because... They need help because they're killing each other out there bad. Yeah. They need well, help somebody that that with the experience of being in prison mm-hmm. so many years. I dealt with them in prison. You know, I, I tutor a lot of guys in prison, young guys. 
you know, I had taught classes which are called Victim Impact and Criminal Rationalization. And I try to show them that it's all in the mind. You got to have a, a different mindset and then going away with criminal mind. That's terrific. Changing your mindset, it was the best thing for me. You know, so my thinking. Very good. And that's what they have to do. You know, like I say, everybody can teach you anything, but if you don't want to learn and understand what people are trying to give you, you'll never change. That's the biggest thing in life. You have to want to change. You know, some people want to scratch out of that line, and scratching that line is not good. You got That's to be a, on the right side. That's right. It's a great message. It's a great message. Now, you told the Florida Times Union that you are not bitter for what happened to you. Can you explain to our listening audience why why that is so? Well, one of the reasons why, well, the main reason why, because the Lord saved Jesus Christ. You know, I, I went to, to different religions when I was in prison. I started mm -hmm. out of Islam, and I see that didn't help me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I didn't really believe in man. So my root was Christianity with my family. So I went back there, and I started getting down on my knees and praying every day, reading my Bible, and seeing where that I must forgive just like I want to be forgiven. So with this prosecutor, Mr. Hancock, you know, I don't feel bitter for him because he was young himself when he prosecuted me. Mm -hmm. He was about, about four or five years younger than I, older than I was. Mm -hmm. And I know he had a lot of pressure on him to get this conviction that he got. I but see. he just went about the wrong way of getting it. Mm -hmm. So, like I was telling the Florida Time Union and my lawyers, I like to meet him. I like to talk to him sometimes if he want to talk. Because I don't have no bill against him. You know what I'm saying? I don't have nothing to say bad about him because he had a job. Yeah. You know, yeah. he had pressure on him. Even though his witness lied on me so much mm. and he didn't investigate the case like he should have investigated. If he would have investigated the case like before he locked me up or before he charged me to the grand jury, maybe we would have found out that it wasn't true. Yeah, maybe so. Real bad. I, I, I admire you for your attitude, uh, feeling that you are not blaming anyone for what happened, even though there is blame to go around. That's for sure. But uh, I think uh, I've, I've spoken to other exonerees at the Florida, the Innocence Project of Florida, and many of them have the same attitude that you do, that uh, one man, Jamie Bain, who spent 35 years in prison as an innocent man, he tells me that his mother said, look forward, don't turn around and look back, look ahead and sure. see what you For can sure. do up ahead. And I know Jamie's faith um, also pulled him through as, as it did for you. What, what else, um, what other kind of help have they given you since you got out? Well, they helped me uh, get things They help me, you know, say as far as like a Walmart card. Oh, a gift card. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they help me get a card every month. That's and terrific. if I spend money on my um, transition as far as traveling, uh, 
five things to help me like they help me get in a computer class also. Oh, terrific. I need to learn the social media because I don't know nothing about <laughs> social media. I'm just learning how to use a cell phone. Uh-huh. You know, and uh they help me with all that. Oh, that's a big, big deal. They help me, they help me adjust with a lot of things that I need to be adjusted to. Of course, of course. Now and today I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Today, uh, you took a bus from where you now live, you said, in Orlando, all the way to Tallahassee, and you're going to be staying in Tallahassee for the next few days. So does the Innocence Project of Florida help with uh, an expense like that? Yes, they did. They did. They got the ticket, got my hotel room. Oh, that's great. That's terrific. But I don't Do you- have no money. I don't have yeah. no money. I don't work no well, you know. That's right. That's my right. Wife, my wife's income is not that big, so if it don't be for her, I won't have nothing. That's right. And how many how many people are in your shoes that have come out of prison, shouldn't have gone there in the first place, and how are they supposed to get a job immediately upon getting out? So that is the beautiful part of what the Innocence Project does of Florida um, is staying with you as a means of support until you're on your feet. And that's a, that's a great thing. Do you have any ideas as what, to what you would like to do in the next year or so, or are you trying to take it one day or one week at a time? What, what do you have in terms of your thoughts for the the future? I'm trying to take it as it comes. As it comes. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to do. That's probably a good idea. That's probably a good idea. Now, unlike your uncle, you are eligible for compensation from the state of Florida. We we, uh, had Krista Dolan on our last podcast talking about compensation. Um, Can you, in your own words, um, explain what compensation means to you? Well, you know, like I said, the conversation that they're giving me will never put my life back together. Right. Period. You know, it'll help me, you know, and uh, I accept it, and I will try to live my life with it. And like my, just like my uncle, you know, he done did the same time I did, and he had a couple felony cases back in the 60s. And they want to tell him he can't get nailed down for it for doing all them years. You know, I don't. I think that's injustice to him. He was in prison for so long, he had prostate cancer. Mm. Didn't know it. They didn't never tell him. He just got out of prison. Two months later, he found out he had prostate cancer. But he never mm. was told in prison. That's how bad it was for him. He's suffering now. And they say they're not going to compensate him. And I don't think that's fair to him. No. Period. No, it's so the 43 years he did don't have nothing to do with 1968, 67. That's right. It's what he did now. He didn't do nothing. That's they're right. not going to pay him for that. Because if he would never came to prison, he might have never had prostate cancer. He'd be able to call it earlier. You know, very, very true. Very true. He lost his mother and father. I lost my mother, my father, my brother, 
my sister, you know, mm. I come out of prison with no one in my life, but the lady that I married in 2005, she's been by my side ever since 1981. I met her in prison. Oh, my God. I may have been homeless. That's incredible. I don't have nothing. How, how, did you, how did you come to meet her, um, your wife? Well, I, I meet her through a mutual friend. And we started talking, and I got on my visiting list, and then we started getting together, and then, you know, I guess we fell in love. Ah, that's wonderful. But we didn't get married until 2005. And you got married married while you you were in prison. We've been married for 14 years now. But we've been together for 38 years. That is amazing. What an amazing story. She's uh, she's a very... Blessing of God. God bless me with her. Yeah. Sounds that way. She was deaf from me when I lost my parents and my sister and my brother. You know, I didn't have no one to come home to but her. But her. Mm-hmm. When that, I come that. out of the courthouse, I came out, I kissed the ground. Mm. Dumped in the car, it came straight to Orlando. I didn't even look back at Jacksonville. <laughs> there was none of my relatives in Jacksonville. Right. I got four li- I got four living uncles and one living auntie. I see. You know. And uh, I didn't I didn't even look back. I left there quick as I could get away from there. Good, good. I've been back by two, three times, but I still get away from there. Huh. That's probably a, a good idea. Now, it, you wrote a, um, a guest column for the Florida Times Union in October, which I have in front of me. And it was about the whole issue of compensation and the, the law about the, the clean hands provision, which hurts your uncle, but not you. You say in that article that the law is supposed to provide $50,000 for each year that an innocent person was wrongly incarcerated. However, since the law passed a decade ago, only four of the state's 72 exonerees have benefited from it. You know, Nathan, I didn't even know that myself. Can you tell us... Why Why that is, um, that only four of the 72 exonerees um, have received benefits, but most have not. Do you understand why, or is that a technical question that is, you know, above your head? It really is a, is a technical question, but I can give you my personal opinion uh-huh. about it, because, you know, I read I read a little bit of law about the conversation and like you said, you know what I'm saying, is by being clean. You don't have no felony. Right. That's how you can get compensated. If you have a felony, two felonies, you're dead. You're finished. If you have one felony, you got a chance. Yeah. That very well may be. Yeah. The reason. You know, the uh, the clean hands. And I know that the Innocence Project of Florida is working very hard to try to remove that clause from the law so that anyone in your situation or your uncle's situation would benefit uh, from the compensation law. Yeah. Can yeah. any can any state make up 
for the lost years taken from people like you and your uncle? Can any state no. make up for those years? No, not really. No. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. I would agree. I would agree. Um, I was going to ask you how your uncle is doing, and you already answered that question health-wise. How, how are you doing health-wise yourself? Well, I feel good, but with me just getting his health insurance, I'll be able to go and get my checks out. Mm-hmm. Hopefully real soon I'll be able to get, you know what I'm saying, check out for my prostate. You know, I never had a check for that. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I have diabetes. Oh, do you? I come to diabetic in uh, 2016. Oh. I've been taking medication for it. And really, and honest, I don't think I'm a diabetic. Hmm. Them them half doctors in the prison system say I was diabetic. I got... I went to the visiting park one day, and my wife told me, say, your eyes is great. She said, why is your eyes great? I said, I don't know. I ain't nothing wrong with me. I feel good. Mm-hmm. But she said, you need to go get yourself checked. I went up there and checked myself that Monday morning, and they stuck my finger, and my sugar was up to 500. Mm-hmm. There's wow. no more check. They just throw me on some pills. I see. I've been taking pills ever since 2016. But I feel like I still haven't got the, the accurate treatment to see that I have diabetes. But I've been yeah. taking the pills ever since 2016. They say I have high blood pressure. A lot of days I don't take I take the pills. I still feel good. My pressure can be down. So mm-hmm. I need to get an adequate treatment out here. This yes, I'm you so do. Glad, I'm so glad that the social work and the project Got together to help me get this insurance. So yeah. hopefully next week I can begin the process. Sure. Getting all my checks. Everything. Out. Everything needs to get checked out. Yes, I, I know from experience. I visit about seven people in different prisons. I have done that for many years. And one of the major complaints is the medical care in prison. And terrible. It's terrible. You terrible. bet. That's what it is, yeah. So you're oh, you have big a, from you. Yes, they they don't want to spend money on uh, complicated procedures or uh, extensive right. testing or anything like that. But now you have a chance with your new health policy to find out what what yeah. really is going on with your health, and that's that's very important. Yes, now, um, sure, the fact that you were in prison for all these many years took its toll on your family. Were you in different facilities over the years, and how far away from family were you uh, over time? Well, I, I would like some two hours, two and a half hours, six hours. Four. Oh, boy. Wow. So how many different... Uh, how many different prisons were you in over the 43 years? Oh, I could say about maybe 10. Really? That many? Yes, wow. I was transferred from one institution to another. You know, I had an idea they were trying to keep me from being in the same prison with my uncle. But we never ended up in the same prison together, all the prisons I've been to. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. So they, they, you, all they kept you apart, apart. 
So you hardly got yes. to see, you hardly saw him over the years. Yeah. Only time yeah. I got a chance to see him when we come back to the county jail and we were blessed to put in the same cell for the couple of weeks that we were waiting to get out. I see. Hmm. Um, so now, years that we wasn't together. That's, that's amazing. I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Who knows why they do what they do and why, why they moved you from so many different prisons from one to the other to the other. I, I don't understand the rationale behind that, but I know, I know it's done. I know it's done. Um, yeah. When you were... I wasn't no troublemaker. I'm sure you weren't. Right. I wasn't doing anything. I don't know what the, the reason is that they do that. I, I've never understood it. When you were in prison, I was going to ask you two different questions. How did you spend your time in prison? And I was going to ask you how you spend your time now. So how did you spend your time all those many, many years while you were inside? Well, you know, like before I really got my faith back, I used to go play a lot of sports. Uh -huh. Play sports. You know, I love football, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if you know I had a scholarship, and they destroyed that when, I, when they sent me to prison. Oh. I had a scholarship, two offers to go to college and play ball. So sports were my number one thing, stay in sports. Oh. Then when I got my faith back, I began to start seeing so many young kids coming to prison. Mm -hmm. They were like, had us divided away from them when I was in Sumter County. And I started facilitating classes in the life program. I was sucked to the life program by the parole board, which is a joke. Parole board is a joke. Yeah. So I was sucked there, and the program was called a life program, and they had classes, different classes. You know, anger management, life skills, mm -hmm. you know, criminal representation, direct one, two, and three. You know, I fell in love with criminal representation because it had something to do with the mind and thinking. Mm -hmm. So I started facilitating that class. Then I got involved with the victim impact. The victim impact, I see. Uh-huh. Yes. The and what was that? The that? Victim impact is something that we're... You always holler about you the victim, but you're not the victim. And the people say they're the victim, but what about your family? Your family is a victim also. Mm -hmm. so they need to learn that also, that you're making your family a victim because you're not there for them to help them, your nieces, your nephews, your kids. You know what I'm saying? So you victimize them also. So mm -hmm. they need to learn that. So we, 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 we all sort of take that, you know, did they, did, did they accept that message from you that being in prison, they were victimizing their families and their children as well? How did, how did when they, they thought about it? Yeah. When they thought about it and looked at it and was coming to class and they buy it into it, they brought right into it. And they oh, really, really understood because I showed them, I showed them where it's true. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I showed them how it's true. And That's they understood true. it. And they bit into it. And they believed it. You know, and so everybody that would come to class, even the parole board come there, visit the classes. 
Miss Coonrod. Whoa, these are beautiful class. I love your class. Y'all need to keep doing it up. Okay, you keep <laughs> doing everything, but you're not doing nothing trying to help guys get out while they can exercise what they learn by rehabilitating themselves. You know, I didn't have I had a, I didn't have a DR in over 18 years. I seen the parole people in 2013, mm -hmm. and I had a parole hearing every two years. All of a sudden, when she come on board, she put me off for seven years. So I mm. said, seven years for what? What did I do to deserve that for seven years? Mm. My parole hearing for be in 2020 of April. But my God told me I won't be there. And here I am. I'm not there. And here you are. <laughs> Go to the parole hearing. Yeah, so that's wow. a blessing. Yes, indeed. But like I said, yeah. you know, you got some guys in there that taking them classes. They are serious about them. They're trying to get their way out of prison. You know, and parole board not helping them. Yeah. They say we're manipulating the system. But I told, them, I told her, no. You all manipulate us. All the prisoners, you manipulate us. You tell us, take these programs, don't get in trouble, and we have a problem chance to send you home on the road. But that's not happening. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned programs, and I'm aware that depends on the state, depends on the prison. Um, some prisons offer some great programs. Others don't. Right. Right? You, you have to want to be... A part of those programs, so they benefit you if you. Want to be. Yeah, you have to. That's right. But at you least be, they're. You have to be really accepted. You got to accept it. If you yeah. don't accept it, you're not going to be one of them. That's right. Right. That's Just very true. Ain't going to help you. You got to yeah. be involved in them classes. That's certainly right. And the other part of my question was, um, you kind of answered it before. How do you spend your time now? You're trying to work with young people. Uh, that's your right. focus that's right now. Thing. Your main thing. I mean to say. Yeah. All right. Well, we we are almost out of time today, but I wanted to ask you if you if you could tell us the most interesting discovery that you've come across since your release compared to uh, the world that was in 1976. What What's the most fascinating difference, maybe, I should say, uh, in the world that you came back into? Well, one thing I know is there's a whole, it's definitely different. People doing different things, you know, and the thing that we used to do and, and the way the parents are with the kids now, you know, they're, they're more lenient on them now mm -hmm. than, I, than it was during my days. And that's one of the biggest problems with the younger generation because the law has changed where all they have to do is call 911 and then you go on to jail for, for, busting, for busting their butt. Back then, you you so scared of your mom and your daddy, you didn't even think about calling no police. Mm -hmm. yeah. All you have to do is call the police and you go on to jail. So you can't discipline your kids now the way they did during my day. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that strikes you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Big, big difference. And I think right. that's one of the biggest problems with the younger generation now. But they don't get disrelected like sure. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I so appreciate your time today. I know you've had a very, very long day coming from Orlando to Tallahassee. And I wish you well. We all wish you well. 
uh, in the weeks and months ahead of you. I hope they're good ones. And I certainly know the compensation will help. It's not, it's not the, uh, you know, the answer, but at least it will help you get on your feet. Uh, thank you so much again, Nathan, for the time you gave us today. And I hope our listeners will join me next time on Pursuing Justice. Take care. Okay, thank, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.